Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and talking about corn herbicides on the show today. We'll also be taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com. I'm Darren Hefty here along with my brother Brian and Brian comes in and had to take a deep breath. He's like, man, Lots of changes already on these chem prices, and I'm like, Brian, it's early. We we normally don't even have chem prices for our farm yet. No, we don't, but the thing is, everybody's panicking now. So, I mean, we're just trying to stay ahead of things, too, just like everybody else. I, I, I just say this. First of all, don't get too worried that there is there's going to be no supply. Okay, that's nonsense. Now, is there going to be... A tight supply and glyphosate, glufosinate, and a few other things. Sure, there is. But a lot of the corn herbicides, companies have already been shipping them. I know Bayer has shipped a crazy amount of product already, and a lot of other companies have as well. So you can probably go to your retailer today and get whatever you need for corn herbicides. So I'm not saying everything is there, but a lot of stuff is there. So if you're worried about it, quit worrying. This is one of the things that we talk about quite often here on the show is let's focus on what we can control. Well, you can control driving your pickup to some retailer, picking product up, and you're done. And now you got it. Now there's no more worry. And you don't have to be concerned that, oh, the price is going up or it won't have supply or whatever. So there's plenty of product out there. Now, it may not be what you want. I am not saying that, you know, everything is going to be there and and it's certainly not going to be at the price that you are wanting to pay with everything. But I would say this, as we've been checking on basically everything for chem products, there are a lot of things that are flat to down. There are the vast majority of things that are up in the range of 5 to 10%, which really it's not that bad because the way I look at it, like on our farm, it's a few dollars an acre more. Okay. And don't get me wrong. I don't love price increases. In fact, I get the opportunity very often to meet with the head people with all these big ag chem companies in the U.S. and even around the world. And I'm constantly telling them, cut your price. Help us out as farmers. Times are tough. Everything else. Well, look, This year, you know what's going on around the world. The number one factor, quite frankly, is energy prices are way up. When oil prices are double what they were a year ago, and the base for a lot of these products is petroleum, but even if it wasn't, and many products aren't, it still takes energy to produce the product. Well, when manufacturing costs go up because energy is double the price, I mean, of course, things have to go up a little bit. And I guess we just have to count ourselves kind of lucky. Like last September, when we bought a lot of our stuff for our farm, it was the lowest price that I'd seen on many products for years and years and years. Not just chemical, but fertilizer, seed, everything was low last September. So, you know, I I, I love that. I was hoping it was going to continue into this year, but that's just the way it goes. So anyway, we're going to talk about corn herbicides a little bit today. We'll also talk about maybe a few options because here's the thing. Roundup, Liberty, they're triple in price from what they were a year ago. Triple. Triple. So a lot of people are looking at this just like they did back in 2008 when 
so I, I remember vividly back in 2008, Darren and I were talking to a lot of farmers about the sky high Roundup price, which by the way, was higher than it is even today. And most farmers just said, yeah, I don't really need the Roundup. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll just cut my Roundup rate in half or cut it in a third. And I'll use it as kind of a grass rescue herbicide in my Roundup Ready crops. And other than that, I'm done. No Roundup for this year and we'll forget about it. Now, here's the good news. That 2008 thing, it was caused by the Olympics. It didn't last long term, but China shut down a lot of their plants. And so there was, well, it's all supply demand. Just like today, there isn't the supply. So what, of course, is going to happen? Prices are going to go up. As soon as supplies go back up, which they're going to, then prices are going to come down. Now, I was just talking to an agronomist last night who said, I don't think we're we're ever going back anywhere close to normal. And I think that stuff's going to be way higher three years from now. And I go, look, personally, I think you're nuts. But maybe you're right. I don't know. No one knows. But I just said, I want you to think about this. When ag chemical prices are really high, like they are right now. And it can't say it's for all products because, again, some products are flat to down. But if manufacturers are looking for, okay, how do we make more money three years from now? Oh, wow, the price of glufosinate and glyphosate is sky high. We can make good money on that. we got to at least get into that. And what you're going to find is there are going to be more companies producing glyphosate and glufosinate, at least for a while, because they see dollar signs there. So, I mean, the, the supply is going to come back. Yes, short term, it's going to stink, but that's just the way it is. There are plenty of great alternatives. You don't have to farm with Roundup. I mean, we never did on our farm till 25 years ago. So we did tillage, so there was no need for burn down, and we didn't have Roundup ready crops, and we got by just fine. So you can too. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today with these corn herbicides. How do you get by without Roundup, without Liberty? What are your options? Well, the fear, and and I just saw a publication again today. They're just fear, fearing, oh, no, we're, we're not working on resistance management when we don't have those tools. But we've got resistance to Roundup and Liberty. And there's a lot of other products out there that, honestly, a lot, we've got a lot of growers across the country using just straight Liberty. That's it. Well, if you want resistance, that's how you find it. Use one product and not getting weeds sprayed timely, spraying them when they're 8 inches, 10 inches, 12 inches tall, rather than when they're 2 or 4 inches as intended. Right. So think about the good side. This is what I always try to tell people, too. Okay, yeah, something bad happened. Roundup, Liberty, triple in price. But let's look at the bright side of things here. If you go away from Roundup or Liberty for a year or two, what's most likely going to happen? Well, when you go back to Roundup and Liberty, they're probably going to work a lot better. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. There's nothing we can do. I mean, we can't control the price. You can't control the price. We just have to manage through it. And that's what we're going to try to help you do here over the next few months as we go into the 2022 season. There are certainly ways to still make money on the farm. We're going to talk corn herbicides coming up right after this. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. 
Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted use pesticide. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year. It's January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, talking about corn herbicides. Oh no, Brian raised the red flag. He said, "Uh oh, no liberty, no Roundup. What are we going to do?" Well, it's not no liberty and no Roundup. It's well, we're short. And how do you think they're going to fix those shortages in the short term? <laughs> Raising prices, and that'll ration supply out. And and I don't blame them for doing what they're doing. Uh, if you really need it, you'll buy it. And if you can get by without it. You're probably going to get by without it because there's a lot of other products out there that might actually be better solutions in some cases for what you're going after. Got Tom Wood on with us right now with Belsham. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Darren? Pretty good. You know, I, I I do like this response, and I have talked to a number of farmers. Well, what are you going to do if you don't don't get as much Roundup as you want this year? And they're like, well, it's not killing my pigweed anyway. <laughs> I got to use something different. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm okay. Yeah. And you know, it's a, it's a big turn to. All right, I better do a really good job with my pre-program, and I better get some other actives in there. They're going to do a good job post, and I know that's what you're going to talk about too. Yeah, and this is perfect for us. You know, when we talk about corn herbicides for the 2022 season, the song remains the same on resistant weeds. They're growing, they're expanding. And as you say, now we have shortages of bulk chemicals and, and rising costs. And we always are talking about maximizing the efficiency of your programs with multiple modes of action. And our product, Tough, is a great um, product to put in your tank mix to, to maximize that um, scenario. You know, and, and you've actually been one of the, the companies who've had questions about, Tom. Uh, we've had growers say, okay, well, what about some of these newer things, like Tough is a good example. Are we going to have enough supply? Because obviously we've got something that's growing in market share that we're getting more out there. So that always leads to some questions on supply. Will there be enough if a lot more guys get on board here? But then, of course, you throw in all the supply chain issues that we've got right now. So so just clear this all up for us, Tom. Tell us we got plenty of tough out 
there, no problem. Well, number one, we have plenty of tough. And I will say, if we run out, then we are going to have one heck of a year with tough. <laughs> um, we're, we're looking at upside scenarios. Um, so everything that we think for, for tough will be in country by uh, probably December. And we're also starting to formulate in Q1. So we got two sources of supply this year. So we should be okay. Outstanding. All aside. All right. Now let's talk about performance out in the field. Cause I was, I was getting at this uh, a little bit earlier and people are saying, Oh, I'm worried about resistance management when we don't have roundup and Liberty, but there were a lot of guys spraying straight Liberty, nothing mixed with it. And of course, you know, the story on roundup over the years, I think part of the problem is guys are just letting the weeds get too big. Did you notice that last year? with tough where you'd say, Hey, there are a few guys that, that maybe let stuff get eight inches, 12 inches. And it's like, Oh no, why did we do that? We really need to get them when they're a little smaller. Oh yeah. We always say that get them before they get to four inches, four inches is probably the best size to get them. And tough always works uh, at that level. However, last year we had, folks putting tough out on 12 13 inch ragweed and it put a hurting on them combined with meso really put a hurting on them but that's certainly not the way to go no because if if a few of those slip through all of a sudden now you got a ton of weed seeds out there and and you think about that weed seed bank it's really important in long-term management doing a good job for a number of years in a row certainly pays off we beat that drum also all the time Get them small, multiple modes of action, kill all the weeds you can, um, and address your seed bank. Because they'll come back one, two, three years later. They're still going to come back and hurt you if you don't get them. All right. The other thing I was going to bring up while while I had you on the air, Tom, is just, you know, we think about resistance and everybody wants to talk about Roundup resistant weeds, but there's growing resistance to other chemistries out there, too, which is a good reason for growers to take a look at something new. Sure. Um, of course, there's HPPD resistance, and tough goes probably the best with HPPD chemistries. It, we say it synergizes based on Colby formula. It can improve your performance uh, anywhere from 20 to 40 percent. So you're going to get a, a very good kill um, combining tough with your HPPD chemistries. And if you add atrazine on top of that, um, tough will also enhance the performance of your atrazine it it just all the different modes the different uh um let's just say locations of action on the plants it is a almost complete kill with uh, those three chemistries so it is very good and oh by the way um we started with tough and we'll continue to sell tough in the market but you know we're working on new products so we will test market a new product, which we're calling Tougher, um, which is a combination or a mixture with Meso and Pyridate or Tough. So we're coming out with new products. Tough is still the one to put with your HPPDs, and you'll get a, a very good kill, particularly on the resistant weeds. Hey, we're talking with Tom Wood here with Belsham. Tom, great talking to you again. Good luck here, and, and yeah, good to hear supply. No problem for you. Yes. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You bet. You too. 
Let's head down to Iowa. We've got Brent Newberger on with us right now with FMC. Brent, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, so I know I, I'm just going to take a wild stab here when we talk about corn herbicides this year that you're going to say, man, uh, Liberty, Roundup, Tough Supply, how about we look at pre-emerge herbicides and just stop those weeds before we see them? Am I right? Uh, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we've cut some of the pre-rates. We, we've thrown, you know, some more residual products in that early post-timing and thrown it in with Roundup and Roundup's cured a lot of our problems. But if we don't have that, you know, my question to everybody is, what do you spray post-emerge in corn to control grass escapes? You know, you, you got accent. You, you might have a little bit of activity out of some products like Impact and Amazon and stuff, but there isn't a lot of options if you have some, some grass escapes. So my contention is, we're going to have to do a better job with our pre-herbicides and particularly those pre-grasses and picking some of the best chemistry that has the longest residual and the best activity and do as good a job up front. And then all we have to do is come in and control our broadleaf weeds. All right. One thing I like about this discussion, Brent, is we've had the years that we had across much of the upper Midwest in 2018, 2019, they were super wet. Now we had hot and dry here the last year and a half and just totally different stresses, great opportunities to learn about some of these products that we're dealing with. So I know with the group 15s, a lot of people say, well, I got a group 15, I'm in good shape. But the follow-up question, of course, is, well, which group 15? Because there are some differences in performance. Talk to us about what you've seen now over the last few years. Well, you know, Iowa State did a, a great study last year, and University of Wisconsin just did another study this year looking at some of the group 15s. And, and obviously, they a lot of times they look at the group 15s from, from a water helm standpoint. But this recent one with um, Wisconsin also looked at some of the grass species and the, the one that seems like it's risen to the top in both of these studies has been the pyroxysulfone. So the active ingredient in Anthem Max ha, has performed better. Uh, we, we see that that pyroxysulfone, the Anthem Max, has uh, you know, very good grass activity, but it has a little bit more broadleaf activity than some of the other group 15s. So then, then you can tailor your weed control program around that. And again, like I said, we're going to just do a better job up front and the better job up front, less escapes, less we have to worry about, you know, we're probably only going to get a portion of our glyphosate, so maybe we need to save it for some other acres. And so let's do a, a good job, make sure we don't cut on our residual rates on those pre-herbicides uh, in corn and, and get the, the product down there and get it working. And right. like you said, with a dry, you know, I'll even go talk, you know, early pre-plant, you know, with some of these, you know, the sooner we can get it out, sooner we can get it rainfall activated and get it working, the better. You know, we. I want to dive into that just a little further. Brent, have you got another few minutes? Could you hang on until after the break? Yes. All right, we'll talk more with Brent Newberger here with FMC about corn herbicides, how to get the most out of your pre's coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. 
you gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPVD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer Amaranth and Waterhem. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other AgPhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. We're talking corn herbicides on today's Ag PhD radio program. Thanks for joining us. I'm broadcasting from the Morton studio today and taking your calls and questions if you want to discuss your corn herbicide strategy or any other agronomic topic, we would love to have that discussion. 844-44-AG-PHD or radio at agphd.com. Just before the break, we were digging into something here with Brent Newberger with FMC. Brent, thanks for hanging on over the break. You're welcome. We were talking about getting those pre's out a little bit earlier, making them work better. And I know for Brian and me, this is something that we did in 2021 that really paid off. We went out in late March and wouldn't you know it, we had great weather. We planted early. We're, I mean, we had a lot of fields in the middle of April last year. 
and we just got unbelievable grass control. It was fantastic out in our cornfields because we used a good, strong rate of a pre. We got it out there early, and with the little amount of rainfall we got this growing season, at least early in the season, we got enough to make it all work. So how much does it really take to get it work? And, and when you're talking about early pre-plant uh, or getting stuff out there early, I know we normally don't have a whole lot of weed pressure in as far north as we are in the country until the first week of May, maybe the second week of May some years. Uh, if we've got that herbicide out a month ahead of that, we're usually in good shape. Oh, exactly. And, you know, if somebody's concerned and wants to have some extended residual, we can always do some splits um, and, and come back, you know, early posts with a lot of these group 15. So I just look at, you know, if I'm going to go out there, you know, early pre-plant, you know, a lot of times, you know, like you said, in the northern geographies we have, we don't have a whole lot out there that if we can get that pre out there and get it working, you know, especially if you're in a no-till type situation, you, you don't need to burn down. You can control things up front. And then come back, you know, early post in the corn, you know, and if you want to split that group 15, you know, between the early plant and early post and extend that residual, just like what we do in soybeans, it's an excellent idea and an excellent practice. And again, you know, get that grass controlled early so we don't have to rely on glyphosate. You know, I think this in 2022 is going to be paramount. Now, you mentioned something else there, too, earlier about small-seeded broadleaf control with these group 15s, and we're talking about pyroxysulfone, which is one of the active ingredients in Anthem Max. Um, with, with products like that, I've found it's so rate-sensitive what you get out of the small-seeded broadleaf control. If we're using a full-labeled rate, our broadleaf controls, I mean, small-seeded broadleaf, not large seeded broadleaf, but small seeded broadleaf control is really pretty good. But if we cut the rate on those group 15s, which there's a lot of applications made post-emergent soybeans or even post-emergent corn with, you know, a, a half rate or something like that, we do okay on grass, but, but we really lose some of that small seeded broadleaf control. What do you see with those full rates of Anthem Max on small seeded broadleafs? How much can we reasonably expect out of them? Oh, you know, you're exactly right. You know, if we get the, the, the rates that were labeled, we're going to do an excellent job on water hemp. We're going to do an excellent job on uh, the, the, the velvet leaf, lamb's quarter, nightshades. A lot of those small seeded broadleafs are very, very good. And, and we can, you know, even, you know, depending on a field-by-field field situation, you know, we can add a little bit of uh, mesotrien or add a little bit of atrazine uh, to, to help supplement those and do an excellent job and do an excellent job with the base. And so as I look at it, Anthem Max is an ideal foundation, and we can tailor it based on the spectrum that we have across a number of fields. But, you know, in most cases, you know, Anthem Max by itself is going to do an excellent job on a lot of those uh, the grasses, obviously, as well as a lot of the small seed broadleaves that we encounter in this upper Midwest. Well, it's sure nice to have a little more flexible window for that post-emerge application, too. If you've knocked out 95 to 99% of the weeds ahead of time, now you don't have huge uh, pressure or great big tall weeds early in the season, so you got a little more time to get that post-emerge herbicide made. Uh, Brent, great stuff. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Got Lowell Sandell with us right now with Valent. Uh, Lowell, I know you heard part of that discussion on on there. Uh, where do you want to pick it up? Yeah, you know, I I think I, I think it's a good discussion. Uh, you're talking about uh, you know using using full rates, and 
I, the thing I think about in uh, corn weed control is getting that crop off or started uh, weed free. Um, corn is pretty sensitive to early season uh, competition and just making sure that, you know, the, the first anywhere from four to five weeks of that corn uh, growth and development is, is weed free uh, really sets up the, the corn crop for you know, the maximum yield potential uh, from, a, from a wheat competition standpoint. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I know that on some of our fields where we're going to have soybeans next year, we did a fall herbicide application, and wow, does that look good. Uh, we, yep. we had enough rain and we had enough heat this fall that, man, there's a lot of pressure out there. I saw a lot of shepherd's purse, um, a lot of dandelions going in some of these fields, henbit, some of these other winter annual type weeds. And where we got the fall herbicides out there, they're clean as a whistle. Uh, is that is that a strategy you're seeing growing in popularity too? Well, I I, I think it is. Um, you know, I, it, it's been uh, you know I think a lot of growers in in areas have been able to harvest uh, pretty timely uh, this year. Uh, so there's been an opportunity to go out and scout and and see some of those weeds, just like you were talking about, uh, mare's tail, handbit. Uh, probably some downy brome uh, in spots uh, out there, and you know it, it's always it's always best to control small weeds uh, when they're when they're um, aren't, when they aren't hardened off by uh, going through through the winter. Um, so if if folks uh, struggle, uh, you know, in mare's tail, especially mare's tail control in the spring, boy, the uh, the uh, fall application. Um, just just really sets things up well uh, going into the, into the spring and not having to worry about burning down a, a, a thick mat of, of henbit and, and, and mare's tail. You know, one of the things that, that we've heard, uh, and, and I know uh, Tom Wood was on earlier with Belsham talking about that there's other chemistries we're seeing resistance to besides just Roundup. So don't just be thinking, oh, we just got to worry about Roundup-resistant weeds because certainly we've had ALS-resistant weeds for a long time. We've seen some sensitivity now on HPPDs and PPOs and some of these other actives. What do we need to do with the PPOs to, to keep them very as valuable as they are, they're just great tools. How do we keep them working the best going forward? Well, you know, there's a little nuance uh, with that. Um, you know, we talk about PPO resistance in in uh, post-emergence applications, and that's where the big concern is. Um, that shouldn't de- deter anybody from using residual uh, PPOs uh, like like Valor or Fierce. Um, you know, as a foundation uh, for uh, soybean weed control, um, even if there's, uh, you know, um, water hemp or palmer that is uh, PPO resistant to those post uh, applications. Um, so we still get really good uh, residual weed control uh, out of PPOs, even in those scenarios. Um, when it comes to post-emergence applications, um, you know, it, it goes back to the basics of controlling small weeds, uh, getting really good coverage. Um, so when a PPO is used and it's not in a tank mix with uh, one of the oxens, uh, using higher carrier volumes and uh, using a spray uh, pattern that gives you a, a better coverage, uh, you know, all those things are critical to, to keeping PPOs, um, 
you know, most effective uh, in, in, uh, in soybean uh, production. Yeah, there's just so many things to think about here, and we, we want to do such a good job because we were talking about it earlier, too. You make a mistake and you have uh, weed seed all over the place in your field. It takes a while to get that back out. We enjoy talking with Lowell Sandell with Valent uh, about weed control strategies and, and various crops, and today we're focusing a little bit more on corn, but I, I think about in a corn-soybean rotation how important it is in soybeans, too. We want to do a great job there so we don't have even more weeds to fight on, a, on the corn side of the rotation. Lowell well, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for sharing the information with us once again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Talking about corn herbicides on our show today, and Brian had made a comment earlier, man, there's already price changes going on, and normally we don't even have prices yet. So it's it's tough to keep an eye on this stuff. But, you know, some things go up in price, some things go down on years like this, uh, depending on supply and so forth. There are going to be some unusual things. So you're going to have to spend a little bit of extra time with your agronomist this year to make sure you get the right plan. We'll talk more about that coming up right after this. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore Herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore Herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. How do you make 300 bushel corn on your farm? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, February 1st, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that rob yield potential. If you want a roadmap to 300 bushel corn and beyond, don't miss the free Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop. Register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events that we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in soybeans and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information that we can't wait to share with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. 
makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about corn herbicides and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And I always tease Brian, we, we had a caller uh, last week that was from up in Canada, and he said, yeah, I'm probably more like Brian. I, I like playing around on spreadsheets and and <laughs> running numbers on absolutely everything, and, and that's exactly what what Brian likes to do too. He likes to run the numbers every year. And this year more than any, I think, well, I know running the numbers on these corn herbicide programs is going to be really critical because there are some products that went up in price a lot more than others. Are there any that really stood out, Brian, that you'd say, wow, you know, this, this family or this company or anyone that's, that's really, and not to put you on too much of a spot. And I know it's only November here. So things could certainly change even by next month when farmers are trying to, to do some prepaying before the first of the year. But there, is there anything you say, wow, we used to do a lot of that. And now I don't know that we can afford to do it. Or on the other, on the other side of the coin, are there some products that may surprise people that are now affordable options that before you've said, no, nah, I'm never going to do that because I always like doing this group 15 or doing uh, some other combo product because it's cheap. Uh, are there some of those surprising things to you? Well, I think sometimes we make this overcomplicated. With corn herbicides, we like to start typically with a group 15. And most of the group 15s, Harness, Surpass, Outlook, Dual, Zidua, they were up in the range, most of them at least, 5 to 10%. That's that's really it. So it's no big deal there. And then you go post-emerge and you say, all right, the cheapest way I can go is HPPD plus a little bit of atrazine. And the, the atrazine is up quite a bit, but, I mean like a lot, but on a per acre basis, if you're only using a quarter pound or maybe a half pound, what is it really? 50 cents? You know, it, it it's no big deal. So price-wise, nothing has changed all that much for the corn herbicide business other than the atrazine end. Now, dicamba has gone up some. A lot of people have gone away from that. They've gone more to the safe inversions, whether it's Diflex or Status. So that's the way we would recommend you go anyway, rather than going generic. But just as a general statement, if you're asking the question about, well, what's gone up the most? For the most part, it's generic stuff. The name brand products have not gone up percentage-wise as much as many of the generics. Now, obviously, the exception is Roundup and Liberty. But you take those two out, and it's this price gap is really closed between generics and name brands. So I, I guess I'd just say if the last few years you've said, oh, I, I got to go uh, generic because it's cheaper, at least look at the name brand stuff. So that's probably the number one thing that I would tell you if you're listening today. Check out name brand products in addition to generics because I was kind of surprised myself at how close the gap was. And in some cases, it was the same. Well, if it's the same, I'm going name brand. And then you also have to consider rebates. A lot of people forget about the rebate up front, and I do run into some farmers that say, oh, I don't even care about the rebates, whatever. Look, I like money. <laughs> so if somebody's going to pay me some extra money on the backside in the form of a rebate, and I pay the same price on the front side as some other product, 
Well, that's the direction I'm going if I, I can net out cheaper. Because at the end of the day, I really don't care what I spend up front. I don't, I don't care much about a whole lot of anything other than how do I net at the end. So now, as you hear that statement, please don't think that I'm just saying, oh, I don't care about the environment and I don't care about safety. I'm not talking about that. I'm simply talking about price here. So I don't care what the upfront price is. I just care about at the end, how do I turn out? And then the reason why I say sometimes we make this too complicated, all we really care about is keeping that field weed-free for the first foot. Okay, once the corn gets past a foot tall, yield's not going to be hurt. Now, if you want to keep late season weeds out, I understand I do as well, because that's more about next year. Because if weeds go to seed this year, then you have more of a problem next year potentially. So I understand that. But still, looking at the short term, I just care about, hey, I want to get a pre out there. I want to come relatively early with my post program. I get two shots on the toughest weeds I've got, and then I go from there. The other thing I'd say is verdict did come down a fair amount in price this year. So there were a lot of things that went up, but I know verdict was one that went down and there are, there are a number of other things that went down too. So anyway, here, here's, here's the other thing that I want you to just think about for a little bit. Right now, a lot of farmers around the United States and really around the world are looking at the fertilizer price going, yeah, I'm not doing that. And so I think you're going to see fewer corn acres. Now, I could be wrong, but my feeling right now is, boy, if people look at this and they go, yeah, I'm not going to spend that kind of money on fertilizer. I'm going to plant a crop where I don't have to put all that fertilizer out there. I think you could see soybean acres go up and corn acres go down a little bit. The other thing is, let's look at gas prices. Do we really think that gas prices are going to go down in the next year? I don't. I think they're going up. I think, I think they're going up from here. I don't know how much, but I think they're going up. So what I'm saying is that both of those factors there are good for corn prices. We know corn exports out of the United States are great. If corn acres go down and if the fuel prices go up and corn prices have been to some degree following oil prices, um, we might have $6 corn next fall or $7 corn. We already have five. I can already lock in $5 cash corn right off the combine off our farm next fall. So when I start running the numbers, I go, all right, so I know I'm going to have to spend five more dollars on my corn herbicides this year, maybe three, something like that. But am I that worried about it if I can lock in a lot of revenue for my corn acre? No, it's not that big a deal. So again, I want to come back to let's not panic, let's not worry, but we we got to start actually running the numbers. And I think that's where Darren was going with this thing, looking at spreadsheets and everything else. Just run the budget for your for your corn and and figure it out. And if you can't make any money at it, do something else. But if you can make some money at it, then let's get it locked in and, and make these decisions on the corn herbicides sooner rather than later. Because it would not surprise me if by spring, a few of the products run out, more of the products are higher priced than they are. And we know that on average, herbicide prices are always cheaper in the fall. Always, always, always. Most everything is locked in for price in terms of price protection. So I'm just trying to say if something goes down, you get the lower price. Just talk to your retailer about that. But that's always been the way it's been around here. So I don't worry that much. I, I know I want to buy early. That gives me the best price. And this year, I want to take stuff home so I know I have it. So anyway, 
let, let's talk just a little bit more about later season residual because I did mention that, and I've gotten a lot of questions about that here in the last few years. I, I'll, I'll first say I believe that a lot of people are overplanting their corn, and that's part of the reason why there was as much lodging as there was this year. So if you don't have the level of potassium you need in your soil and you go, yeah, I'm not spending that kind of money on K this year, just cut your population back. It's it's not that big a deal. So we've been doing, we had been doing that prior to us loading up our ground on K over the last few years. But anyway, cut your planting population a little bit. But here's the downside. Anytime you cut planting population, I don't care if we're talking corn, soybeans, wheat, any crop, guess what? You have more chance to have weeds. That's why it's more important that you get a residual herbicide out there. So don't get skimpy on those group 15 rates. Again, harness, surpass, outlook, dual, zidua, or anything that has those products in it. Like, let's say it's Triple Flex or SureStart or Resicor or Acuron or Verdict. I mean, they all have a Group 15 in there. Just make sure you've got a good amount of that. A lot of times when we talk about these broadleaf products like Verdict and SureStart, Triple Flex, Acuron, if you're using a even moderate rate, you've got a really low rate of Group 15 and you need a little more of that so you get better grass control. And the reason why I bring that up is because we'd said right at the outset today, Roundup and Liberty are high-priced. Well, let's face it, not much Liberty is used in corn anyway. It's mainly Roundup, and the main reason people use Roundup is the grass control. Well, you can get all your grass pre if you just put a full rate of a Group 15 out. Or if you want to split it, that's fine too. Come with Verdict at a lower rate to begin with, and then follow with Resicor later on or whatever. I don't care what it is necessarily, but get two shots of Group 15. Just understand that the Group 15s have to have rain. They only have residual, no burn down activity. So if the grass is already up, you're not killing it with a Group 15. You have to kill it with something else. That's why we tell you spray early. Like on our farm, we like to start spraying We'll plant mid-April or so with the corn. We like to start spraying in March. Get that herbicide out early. You have more time to get rain. You'll get the residual you're looking for. All right, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? Hi, Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, 
check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is the Ag PhD mailbag time, and we're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show and looking at your emails here as well. We've got our emails. It's radio at agphd.com and the phone line once again, 844 844- 44 ag phd all right got this one from ben in northeast iowa and he said of course 2021 strange year they had some wind damage that knocked corn on the ground and they figure there are 10 to 20 bushels on the ground in spots uh he said maybe 25 maybe 20 percent of it germinated this fall so so that was great at least some of it's out of the way but there's certainly more seed out there that's going to come now he said it was double pro corn so it was roundup resistant but not liberty resistant so he's thinking he could spray liberty on next year's corn on corn out in that field uh, oh, sure but when you think about it, he said, if you run the math, if it all comes, it's like 200,000 plants per acre. Well, it's not going to all come, Ben. I'll, I'll say that. But you will have quite a bit. I'm, I would be surprised if you didn't. And he said he could cultivate as well. Uh, but just wondering, will that make his problem even worse with more seed yep. that would come? Uh, and Liberty said currently 25 bucks an acre for the full rate yep. just for that one chemical. No yep. additives, nothing. Right. Uh, and he said he has had luck killing with Liberty once that growing point is out of the ground. What do you think about this situation? Well, I don't like it because let's face it, when the growing point's out of the ground, how big is the corn? V6. So you're talking at least 8 to 10-inch corn. By the time the corn gets 8 to 10 inches tall, it's already taken a bunch of your yield. So I don't like that, but, you know, I, I get it. I look at the economics myself, and I say, man, that corn deal looks pretty darn good for next year. It's really tempting to put a lot of corn acres in. We're going we're gonna, to, on our own farm, do, I don't know what it is, 1,000 acres of corn on corn? So I, I, I guess I don't see that you have a lot better option. Uh, Darren... How much enlist corn is out there? Not very much. Right. That's that. And, that's and are those hybrids be- better than what you've planted? Right. Uh, 
I don't know if we're quite ready to say. I I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm excited. I think it's got but, some promise. I think going forward that that'll be another option, and that could be really nice. Okay, but the reason why we're talking about that is then you would have the option to go spray a Sure Two over the top. So that would be nice, and that would kill it. And you wouldn't have to wait until the corn's bigger, because quite frankly, I don't want you to wait till the corn is till the volunteer corn is big, because your yields already going to be hurt. So anyway, yeah, it's a it's a tough deal. But I, I I will tell you this: if you could go, he didn't he didn't say did he say he did tillage this fall? He didn't, did he? Uh, he did some tillage uh, early to yeah. try and get get a lot of it to germinate, and it worked in that right. he got got right. some to germinate right away, which is great. And I I know exactly what you're talking about, Ben. We saw fields just driving around the region that were green, and it wasn't a cover crop necessarily. It was okay. it was corn. Well, here's another thought: you could delay your planting just a little bit, let that corn, the volunteer corn, get started. And make this, let's say, your last field that you're going to plant. And then you do your tillage because then maybe some stuff would have started and then you kill it off. I don't know. There's there's no great way, no perfect answer. I, I, I wish there was something better we could tell you. But you do have two choices as we see. You got enlist corn, spray is sure to. You've got uh, the smart stacks or, or any other Liberty tolerant corn and spray Liberty. So that and, and yeah. Typically, the less tillage you do, the less volunteer corn will come. But like I say, you could wait a little bit, let some volunteer corn start to come, then do the tillage, kill it off that way, and maybe you'd be better off. I, Yeah, it's it's hard to know. Yeah, it's just a tough situation. Fortunately, it's a one-year deal. Either that corn's coming this year or it's not. You aren't going to be worried about three years down the road that it's a problem. Correct. But let's also look at how do we make it less likely that the same thing happens again. So that's what I was saying earlier in the show to have less lodging, you could cut your planting population. You can increase your potassium levels. You can make sure you've got good manganese and copper levels too. Those are also important for standability. Now, granted, they're not as important as K, but still, that's part of it. So those are the things that I'm looking at. And for K, just so you know, the minimum, the bare minimum is 4% base saturation K. If you're going for big time yield, which is Iowa, did you say, Darren? Yep. Okay, so chances are he's going for big time yield. I'm looking at 6 to 7% base saturation K. And you might look at your soil test and go, uh-oh, I got 2% or 1% base saturation K. And you start running the math and you go, wow, is that going to cost crazy money this year? I know. That's why you're probably not going to do that this year. But, but uh, you could at least start banding your K. And in the future, when K comes, when potash comes down in price, then you go back to broadcasting and actually building your soil we were lucky because on our farm, all the fields we had left to build, we took care of it last fall when, when potash was cheap, about a third of the price it is today. All right. Um, speak about the fertilizer thing. Can we dive into the next question? Go ahead. Okay, I got Dave from Wisconsin here, and he said, if I'm removing my corn stalks, I'm baling corn stalks, I'm wondering, do I still need as much extra nitrogen that I would typically have to put out there for my second year corn if I'm going continuous corn? That's a fantastic question. I would say no. Nope, because you're not going to get the tie-up. Now, you also took a little bit of nitrogen off the field because there is a little bit of nitrogen in those corn stalks that may have come available at some point. But no, you should have a little bit less tie-up. The other big thing that I want to stress to you is please do some nitrogen tests. Thank goodness we did some on our farm this fall because we found some fields with 200 pounds of nitrogen left. Even in good corn, 
I'm like, where in the world did all this come from? But at least we tested. So just make sure you're testing, and then you're going to have a good idea what's well, what you're going to need to fertilize for because you're going to know then what's actually there. And when you test, I'd suggest you do a 0 to 24-inch sample. Now, if you're listening today and you have very light soil and you're not in the northern United States or southern Canada where the ground is going to freeze, then this doesn't necessarily apply. But like for us, our ground is going to completely freeze solid here within the next couple, three, four weeks hopefully later something, something rather than to, sooner something to look forward to <laughs> right yes. yeah it's it's amazing anyway my, my point is if you test right before freeze up that nitrogen is still going to be there for sure when your ground thaws in the spring so i'm great with testing right now in our environment zero to 24 inches so we want to find out what's in the top two feet for nitrogen and then i'm going to feel pretty good now if you say look i already put a little bit of nitrogen on i'm definitely i know i'm not doing anything till side dress then that's fine just wait until side dress time also if you're a wheat producer and you're listening i'd encourage you before you stream bar or however you put your nitrogen on in the summer do a nitrate test there test down zero to 24 inches and find out what you've got if you don't do the testing, then you could end up in the same boat we had been in the past where sometimes we didn't need nitrogen. We put it on. We wasted our money. Not only was it a waste of money, it can hurt yield if you overdo it on nitrogen. And then to come back to these lodging issues, you get excess nitrogen out there. And especially when your nitrogen to potassium ratio is out of whack, your crop's going down. And that's not good. Nope. That's a bad, bad deal. Okay. Uh, another question here. This one comes from Jonathan, and he said, Guys, I was wondering if your seminars this winter, your wheat, soil, corn, etc., had a webcast version that I can register for, and when will that detail be available? Yep. Uh, we will have that. We'll have the details out sometime in December. Yeah, so you can check out at agphd.com under the events tab and just see the different meetings that we're going to be doing this winter and, and what's going on. We've got some of our own. Neil Kinsey is going to be here with uh, doing a meeting in our facility, which is is always fun and exciting. Brian's talked about some fertility things already. Neil goes into to great detail. Uh, so it's not just, uh, oh, I can casually watch that. No, you're going to you're gonna be paying attention to writing down some notes. Hey, Darren, we just got an email from Tom talking about that corn on corn thing, and he said, uh, back east we do our burn down and then plant the corn crop and then come back with a quart to a quart and a half of prowl to help give us suppression of the volunteer corn. Tom, the reason why we don't recommend that is just prowl is hard in the corn. And I realize it's labeled, but when that prowl gets down into the root system, I can promise you it's going to ding up your roots a little bit. So we just, we don't recommend that. I'm not saying that won't suppress the volunteer corn. It absolutely will. But at the same time, it's going to hurt your main corn crop. So that's why we don't recommend prowl ever in corn. Yeah, there are a lot of chemistries out of here and are out on the market. And this is one thing that makes me nervous, Brian. We're talking about corn herbicides and how pricing and supplies have changed that guys go to the wrong thing. So make sure you know what you're switching to if you're going to switch to a different herbicide. Because like you say, there's one that, well, fortunately, it's not cheap. So I don't think that guys are going to jump to it that, oh, yeah, that that prowl for corn would be a cheaper option. We just don't like it. We don't want anything that has a potential of, of dinging up some of those roots. We need everyone we can get to get good nutrient uptake and good water uptake, especially in stressful conditions. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.